the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans to help plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Low gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Low. I'm Jim McAleese. Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered to Next Financial Group Incorporated. It is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Welcome to our best spring weather conditions. After a slightly rainy week, we finally have a sunny weekend. We finally got this act down where we're trying to have the good days on the weekend and the rainy days during the week. But it looks like we're, we're moving in that direction. And the temperatures of today are going to be in the 70s. But it, it is a sunny weekend, so we can enjoy every minute of it. The rains have kept the grass growing, whether the grass is in your front yard or in a hayfield. Uh, that's kept people busy uh, mowing their lawns whenever they can get around to doing it because of the uh, having the, the lawns dry out. And the, in the uh, country, uh, farmers have generally planted their fields and the plants are starting to sprout. And uh, now that the COVID pandemic is over, uh, people are on the move again. The restaurant parking lots are full. I just returned from my uh, from my uh, my uh, granddaughter's college uh, graduation in San Diego. Uh, the airports were full. The air, air uh, airplanes were full. Uh, people are basically getting out and about. So now we have to start planning for those usual summer activities like the scout camps and the 4-H camps and and the county fairs and things of this nature. And don't forget trips to uh, grandparents' houses, and uh, uh, you know, we're 
basically returning to normal again. And this weekend, after enjoying the outside activities and maybe the barbecues, uh, let's take some time to look at our financial plan uh, later in the day. Uh, this week, global equities were again mixed. In the U.S., the three major uh, stock indices were down for the week. That's after a winning week the week before last. Uh, while in the U.K., the FTSE 100 was down. And in the European Union, uh, Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 uh, were both down for the week. So we're down, Europe is down, UK is down. In Asia, uh, Japan's Nikkei 225 was up, and China's Shanghai Composite and Hong Kong's Hang Seng were both up for the week. So on Friday, the three major uh, U.S. stock indices closed at uh, uh, 32,899.70 for the Dow Jones Industrial. So it was basically down uh, 0.94% for the week, basically close to uh, down 1% for the week. The Standard and Poor 500 closed at uh, 4,108.54 on Friday. And it was uh, down 1.2% for the week. And the NASDAQ Composite closed uh, Friday at 12,012.73. And that was down uh, 0.98% for the week. So things were down, but uh, down modestly, uh, as opposed to some of the weeks that we've seen in the past. Likely, the three major U.S. Uh, stock indices have had uh, only one positive week in the past nine weeks, and that was the week before last. And as of uh, Friday's close, for instance, like the Dow Jones Industrial was down uh, approximately 9.5% year to date, and the Standard and Poor 500 was down approximately 13.8% year to date, and the NASDAQ composite was down approximately. Uh, 23.2% year-to-date. This week, the stock and the bond market, uh, they continued with, a, with what has become a painful uh, sell-off for investors. And from the uh, Wall Street Journal economists, uh, they expect the uh, pain to continue. And the pain is being uh, implemented by the Federal Reserve as it implements their plans to conquer the highest inflation in 40 years. The economy basically is in good shape. The labor market is in good shape. The earnings are there uh, for the corporations. The first quarter earnings were down. Or no, the first quarter earnings were up 8% above the first quarter of 2021. So the economy is good. Labor market is good. Earnings are there. The thing that is uh, missing is the uh, because of the concerns and the, um, the feeling of risk, uh, people are not uh, people are lowering their price to earnings uh, for uh, stocks. And basically, uh, uh, what used to be uh, thirty-five to one uh, in terms of uh, stock price to earnings is now down to maybe twenty-five to one. So the earnings are there. They're just not willing to pay as much for the uh, the stock. 
uh, in the Federal uh, Open Market Committee meeting in December, uh, the Federal Reserve laid out their plan to conquer inflation. And uh, that goes along with saying, okay, the economy is great, labor market is great, but inflation is going to eat us up. So uh, they turned their attention to it and said they were going to conquer it. Uh, uh, that would basically uh, involve trying to slow down the economy and uh, reduce the, uh, the, the stimulus tool demand in the economy. And uh, that would make the demand more uh, comparable to the supply and hence uh, reduce the inflation pressures. And at that time, uh, that was the original plan was presented in uh, uh, in December of last year. And it was to stop buying, stop the quantitative easing where they were buying $120 billion a month. That happened, that, that finished up in March. Also, start raising the federal funds rate for the overnight rate that was one quarter of a percent in December. Raise that to uh, two and three quarters or three percent over the next uh, year, and then start selling uh, bonds or uh, starting to roll off bonds. By rolling off, I mean as the bonds mature rather than uh, continuing the bonds, we would just uh, cash them in. And return the money to the to the uh, U.S. Treasury, uh, and then uh, so basically that's the plan uh, that the Federal Reserve uh, outlined, and they've added more to it uh, as time goes on. One of this uh, concept concepts of uh, of uh, rolling off the bonds that the the Federal Reserve has purchased over the last ever since purchased basically ever since the 2008 uh, call it the housing crisis called the banking crisis called the great recession uh, they bought a tremendous amount of bonds at that particular point in time and then uh, when the uh, the covid uh, epidemic uh, hit they began to buy this 120 billion dollars a month in bonds so they've got close to $9 trillion worth of bonds on the balance sheet, and they're going to raise the interest rates, and they're also going to start uh, rolling these bonds off to get that uh, balance sheet down to, you know, maybe uh, maybe they'll get it down by a trillion dollars. I don't know. Um, so basically, uh, the, the economy is uh, uh, going good. And what we're going to see is a controlled slowdown. And uh, this is basically what it's, it's going to look like. In other words, uh, it's, it's a rebalancing of the economy. Uh, the near-term actions of the Federal Reserve are pretty clear right now. The best guess uh, is that, uh, you know, the best guess is that the next uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting on June uh, 14th and 15th, that's a week away, the Federal Reserve will increase the federal funds rate or overnight rate, uh, which presently stands at an upper limit of 1%. They'll increase it by a half a percent. So then we'll, have, we'll end up uh, after the meeting at 1.5% for the federal funds rate. And uh, then they're going to start rolling off uh, these bonds, and they're going to roll it off to the tune of $30 billion 
uh, of treasuries a month and seventeen and a half billion of mortgage-backed securities uh, from the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. So this is called referred to as quantitative tightening QT, and uh, that'll draw forty-seven and a half billion dollars each month from the economy, and that'll that'll go on in June and in July and in August. And uh, then at the next step, the next Federal Open Market Committee meeting in July, that happens July 26th and 27th, they're going to raise the federal funds rate another half a percent. And these two increases of one half a percent each in the federal funds rate will move the federal funds rate uh, to 2% before the September Federal Open Market Committee meeting. So at that point, you're going to have the overnight rate up to 2%, and you've got three more uh, Federal Open Market Committee meetings uh, in uh, September, October, and November to, to finish up the year. And so the expectation is that they'll uh, increase it in uh, one quarter percent for September, October, and November. But they might throw a half a percent in there. So at the end of the game, the uh, the uh, federal uh, rate, overnight rate, uh, should be around uh, uh, two and three quarters or three percent. And then they might increase it next year, too. And while they're doing that with regard to the interest rate, they're going to bump up this uh, uh, quantitative tightening from $47.5 billion uh, in August to $95 billion in September, and they'll continue at $95 billion basically for the rest of the year, and uh, probably beyond, for, for at least for all of uh, 2023. So <clears throat> all of this is being done to slow down uh, the uh, presently strong economy and reduce demand to allow the demand and the supply to reach some sort of an equilibrium. Uh, uh, that plus uh, 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 allows the bonds in the Federal Reserve balance sheet to uh, mature, and uh, that's the way they're going to do it. They're going to take a look at the, the bonds that are maturing, and it's uh, eight point, um, call it $8.9 trillion balance sheet, and they're going to allow those that are maturing to mature up to that limit. So uh, what you're going to see is uh, prior to uh, each of the federal open market committee meetings, which <laughs> excuse me, which generally happen about every six weeks uh, prior. No, excuse me. I got a tickle There we go. I think I picked up a cold with all this travel. So uh, prior to each one of the uh, Federal Open Market Committee meetings, the Federal Reserve publishes their daily book where each of the 12 Federal Reserve banks that are uh, uh, dispersed around the uh, country, each one of them provides a narrative of what they're seeing in their districts. And what you're seeing is that the report that just came out a little while ago, and uh, that'll be used to support this uh, 
June 14th and 15th meeting. Uh, the report shows that uh, employment rose modestly, uh, moderately in a labor market that all districts describe as tight, uh, although there were a few places where job growth has slowed and some reported hiring freezes and other signs that uh, um, maybe this uh, market tightening uh, is going to be forced to ease. Nevertheless, the worker shortages are widespread and, and basically they're slowing down activity and to meet the demand uh, firms, this is out of the day's book, the firms continue to deploy automation and also um, greater job flexibility and raise wages. So there's scattered evidence that uh, wage increases are basically leveling off and upward pressure on wages is moderating. And we'll take a look at that in, uh, later in the show. Uh, the other, con- other uh, conclusion is that inflation is, quote, strong and or robust in most districts, unquote, uh, while firms are able to pass on uh, some prices, price increases, they are encountering pushback uh, from clients and customers on these uh, price increases. So uh, this is the, the base book to give them, a, uh, you know, an, an idea of what the the, uh, the presence of each one of these uh, Federal Reserve banks is seeing in their district. And uh, Cleveland has a Federal Reserve Bank, so uh, there's a certain section in there for Cleveland. It's about a page and a half long in terms of it looks at the uh, you know the wages, it looks at building, it looks at trade, and uh, other things. And uh, basically, what they're saying is that uh, it's a strong economy, a strong labor market, a tight labor market, and uh, and we'll get into later. Uh, uh, how that is uh, beginning to slow down. Uh, for instance, uh, in the employment report that came out this week, that came out yesterday. The employment report basically shows that uh, we've got uh, 300 and in May, uh, the payroll increased by 390,000, and uh, that was down. Uh, from 436,000 in April, uh, it's moving in the, certainly moving in the right direction. But uh, uh, you know, you know, those numbers, those monthly numbers, um, you know, from 436,000 down to uh, the, the, the May number of 390,000. Uh, that's basically nothing to hang your hat on. I mean, that's it's good it's moving in the right direction, but it could just as easily turn around the next month and go up. So, uh, but one of the things they're seeing in terms of looking at the wages, uh, wage increases are getting smaller. Uh, for instance, in the 12 months ending in May, uh, the, the wage increases amounted to about 5.2%. Whereas the previous uh, month, April, the, t- the 12 months before April, uh, wages had increased uh, 5.5%. So uh, maybe they're getting a handle on uh, wages. Uh, unemployment basically remained flat in May. Uh, it's basically been 
3.6% for the last couple of months, which is, indicates a very tight labor market. Uh, they do expect uh, one of the things that the Federal Reserve is looking for as they increase the uh, put the pressure on this economy is that they do expect to see the unemployment rate begin to go up, uh, not skyrocket like a recession, but uh, you know if they can uh, move it away from 3.6 to 3.7, 3.8, 3.9. Maybe even to four percent over the next year. Uh, that will that will basically uh, mean that uh, one of the concepts, one of the parts of inflation, is wage price spiral, and uh, that's what we saw in the late seventies. And uh, if we can get the break the wage price spirals, then uh, uh, you don't uh, you're on the way to breaking inflation. Another thing we saw this week was the JOLTS report, and basically the JOLTS is the job openings and labor turnover survey for April, and that basically shows all the jobs that have been posted. Uh, you see them everywhere when you're traveling and shopping and and uh, help one at every place, uh, apply within and stuff like that. And uh, the job openings in April slowed down for March and April. There were 11.4 million jobs posted, whereas in uh, the month before, uh, it was 11.9 million jobs. So there was a decrease of, you know, half a million job openings in one month, which is something that the Federal Reserve looks at and says that's that's basically what we want. We want to slow this economy down without a recession, and. Uh, we also take a look at other things, and like uh, we'll talk about the factory orders uh, later in the show. And basically, the factory orders and shipments for manufactured goods in April, uh, were, while positive, are basically down uh, from March. You know, for example, manufactured goods in uh, April, the latest numbers show that uh, uh, the uh, Factory orders were up three-tenths of a percent, whereas in the month before, they were up 2.2 percent. The uh, a increase in the uh, uh, actual amount that was uh, spent on uh, uh, orders, uh, basically in, in April, was $533 billion in April. And the month before, it was $557 billion. So that indicates that uh, basically the factory orders are still uh, positive, indicating a strong economy, but uh, uh, the uh, increases are slowing down. And part of that is is, uh, this thing that I was talking about earlier. People are getting out and about, and uh, that's causing a shift in consumer spending, you know, in the middle of the COVID, everybody uh, gave up on the restaurants and and, uh, travel and and vacations and and sports events. And the emphasis was, uh, hey, we were, people were getting paid. People were collecting government checks. Even the unemployed were making $52,000 a year, uh, considering uh, the uh, federal uh, unemployment benefits together with the state. So 
to me, uh, what you're saying is that the, uh, the shift is going from buying all goods to now we're spending money on restaurants, travel, vacations. So, and that shows up in uh, uh, Amazon, Walmart, and places like that. They were they made good money uh, during the uh, COVID because uh, that was the only game in town. Uh, now people are getting out, and now it's becoming more of a fifty-fifty split between uh, services and uh, hard goods. So, and. Uh, uh, plus, the very fact that inflation is cutting into people's wages. In other words, if inflation, the latest inflation numbers we have indicate 8.3%. We'll get uh, the new numbers out uh, next week. Hopefully, they're going down. Uh, uh, so the latest ones, they went down from 8.5% uh, for the 12 month period to 8.3%. Hopefully, we'll get it down even more. But the numbers come out uh, next Friday. Uh, but uh, also part of the uh, debt in the factory orders is the, uh, uh, the order sales. You know, where they, if you take a look at the the uh, car sales, the cars and SUVs and stuff like that, uh, that that's taken a real hit because of the uh, computer chips and things of this nature. You can buy a a new car lot, and uh, you don't see any new cars in there. So you see, you see the middle of the, of the uh, car lot is kind of vacant, and on the perimeter, you see a uh, uh, different uh, makes and models of used cars. So uh, um, the uh, the new car sales have fallen off. In, for instance, like uh, uh, in April. Uh, the new car sales amounted to 14 point, uh, the annual number was, uh, annualized number was 14 and a half million in uh, April and it reduced to 12.7 million in May. So, and basically the, the buyers are looking at increased prices as well as uh, uh, lack of inventory as well as limited selection and uh, as well as inflation. And they're saying, well, uh, do I really need a new car or not? And that's one of those things you can easily postpone. And then another indication of how the the um, economy is doing is the uh, the Institute of Supply Management does a survey of the manufacturing uh, managers and also a survey of the service managers. And what they're showing is that the uh, in those particular surveys, which we'll get into later, uh, what we're seeing is that uh, uh, the economy is still expanding, uh, but uh, uh, there are problems with regard to increased prices that they have to pay for their uh, raw materials and their wages, and uh, also pushbacks from price increases and also supply disruptions. Uh, because of, principally because of this uh, uh, Chinese uh, lockdown because of the COVID. Uh, and it includes both references like the, the services survey. Uh, uh, the numbers came in at, uh, in April of uh, 57.1, and in May it reduced to 55.9. 
and, uh, and, and other areas of the economy, new home construction. New home construction is basically uh, going flat out. It's reached its uh, uh, structural limits in terms of the uh, problems with uh, skilled labor, shortage of skilled labor, improved lots. And you're also seeing a turn from single-family homes to multi-family homes there, too. So it looks as if the single-family home, new single-family homes, has plateaued uh, in terms of in terms of construction. It hasn't plateaued in terms of increased uh, prices yet. So we'll, we'll talk about that later in the show. And, of course, you've got uh, existing homes. Existing homes in April were down. Sale was down six percent, and uh, and I suspect that if you were, when the latest survey comes out, uh, it'll be more than six percent, maybe ten percent. So uh, the, the sale of houses is running into a uh, affordability question as well as the uh, uh, that includes the price of the house plus the uh, price of the mortgage. Mortgage rates will have gone up from. Uh, 3% to approximately 5.5%, uh, right now. So, uh, all in all, the economy is still strong. The Federal Reserve is trying to, uh, control it and bring it back, bring the demand down. And so there's more commensurate with the supply. And, uh, they're going to continue at this for the next year. So, uh, what, what that's doing is introducing volatility into the market, and uh, uh, it's uh, something we're going to live with for the next year. So, uh, this is Jim McAlee. Uh, you're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll free number. It's 1 This is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again? 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAlee. Uh, you know, we talked about the, the, the big picture. The big picture is that... Uh, uh, we got a strong economy. 
and the Federal Reserve is trying to slow the thing down uh, because of inflation. Uh, everybody, everybody would be tickled pink for this inflation thing. So in slowing the economy down, they got to uh, increase the interest rates and uh, uh, suck money out of the economy with this uh, uh, bond-selling operation and uh, uh, basically hope that it really doesn't impact the uh, unemployment too much. Like right now, the labor market is tight at 3.6% unemployment, and that'll go up, up hopefully, not uh, terribly noticeable, but uh, it'll go up. Uh, certainly not going to go up to 5 or 6%, I don't think, but uh, that's the big picture. But in the, in the what we're most interested in is our basically financial planning for the individual. And uh, uh, that consists of a totally different set of tools in terms of saying, hey, what are my goals? Uh, which in a lot of cases is dependent upon where you are in life. Uh, the goals of a college new newly minted college graduate or high school graduate are a lot different than uh, somebody who's reti- uh, approaching retirement. So what you got to do is talk about uh, your goals. I mean, is it a if you're young, it's a car, it's an apartment. Uh, sooner or later, you get around to talking about uh, marriage and starting a family, and what that starts, then you're going to start to talk about buying a house. And of course, uh, that's the family and the house and everything requires a, a standard of living uh, that is a big step up from what we started with in terms of a car and a, I had an apartment. And uh, then you're going to talk about the education of the children, and then you're going to talk about uh, uh, how you're going to retire. And uh, so you start to look at, depending upon where you are in your life, you start to look and say, what are these goals? Uh, what are the important ones? What are the lesser ones? Uh, how do you prioritize them? When will they happen? And you get a kind of a rough idea of what you're going to need. For instance, like in retirement, how much are you going to need in your nest egg uh, to supplement your, maybe if you're one of the lucky ones, you've got a pension or maybe uh uh, you have a uh, 401k or 403b, uh, so you know you're you're going to have a certain uh, uh, income from Social Security and uh, pensions and things of this nature. Above and beyond that, how much are you going to need in terms of a, a nest egg to give you a comfortable, secure retirement until you're well, you know, let's say. Uh, I'd say you aim for 95. Uh, a lot of people were shaking their heads right now saying, oh, but never make it today. But hey, uh, <clears throat> you know, the average life expectancy for a 65-year-old individual is 85. So when you're 65 years old and thinking really seriously about retiring, uh, you have a life expectancy of another 20 years. And that means when I say life expectancy, I mean if you start with 100,000 people at age 65, you're going to still have 50,000 people at age 85. So what's the life expectancy of the 85-year-old? Probably another seven years. So 
<laughs> to me, you could get to 95, and that's the a goal that you should have, just from the planning purposes. Uh, you know, if you if we pass on before we get to 95, you know, uh, the kids will get the money, so we'll be happy with that. So, to some extent, uh, and then you got to talk about, hey, uh, if you're going to do these, if you're going to set these goals and uh, uh, define them in terms of how much you need. Uh, money-wise, when in the future you need it, then you're going to have to start allocating your income to meet those future goals. In other words, so much money is coming in the door um, each uh, month, and it's coming from your business or from your uh, job uh, or maybe in two two jobs. And basically, how are you going to allocate that money to meet your standard of living goals plus your other goals like the education and the uh, retirement and things of this nature. And, of course, uh, there are a lot of other goals you can have in there, too, you know, like the second house and or and things of this nature. So uh, you got to sit down and you got to talk about how am I going to take this stream of income that I get every month and allocate it to different uh, investments uh, and use the... Uh, the uh, compound interest uh, uh, to uh, take this stream of income that I'm putting in there and grow it to the point where 20 years in the future, or maybe longer or shorter, uh, it grows into something that I need. So, and then you got to sit on top of this whole thing and and uh, keep track of it and make sure that uh, uh, just like right now, the, the investments are down. Okay. Uh, and the question is, uh, how long will they be down? And uh, what, we're, what we're seeing right now is that uh, uh, this effort by the Federal Reserve is probably going to be fruitful, and uh, uh, the core uh, inflation numbers uh, for the 12 months uh, preceding will probably move down from, I think they're around 6 percent right now. And by core, I mean we eliminate food and fuel. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll move down into uh, the 4% numbers, you know, the 3% numbers by, uh, let's say, mid-fall. Okay. At that point, uh, uh, the idea then is, is the Federal Reserve going to uh, take their foot off the brake and uh, uh, allow the economy, once it gets down to uh, 4%, are they going to uh, allow the economy to give it some breathing room and uh, get to get from 4 to, uh, let's say, 3 or 2.5%. They have a goal of getting it down, inflation down to 2%, but a lot of people don't think that that's realistic. It's, if we get down to 3%, 3% is the 50-year average for inflation, and if we get down there, we'll all declare victory and go home. So, uh, the, you know, as, as things go on, uh, what we expect to see is that the Federal Reserve is tightening, the, is standing on the brakes right now uh, as hard as they can to slow this economy down with the idea that once it gets below, inflation gets below a certain amount, they can ease off on the slowdown. I don't mean stimulate it again. I just mean not be as hard on 
uh, slowing it down. And also, you've got in your financial plan, you've got uh, 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 what we just talked about, investing and using compound interest, but you also have to protect yourself against those other unforeseen risks like uh, property and casualty or life insurance and stuff like that. You might have a great plan, but if you die or you have a, 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 a get hit with a big liability, that's the end of your plan. So, and then there's estate planning and uh, gifting and things of this nature that you that you have to get through. So, to me, it's uh, in, in the in the picture in our picture of life, the actual financial planning for the individual is more important than the actual big picture of what's going on because the big picture of the economy and things of this nature is that hey the economy's been good it, it's going through conniptions right now but it'll return to where it was before and uh, it just takes time that's all so um, the important thing is uh, don't get fixated on what's happening in the daily uh, investment world. Uh, fixate on your financial plan and uh, uh, what your goals are and how you're meeting your goals and make sure that you've got all your goals there. And uh, uh, even with regard to uh, estate planning and gifting and things of this nature. So this is Jim McAleaf. You're listening to Get Rich Low. Uh, you can give us a call. And that's all free number. It's one eight eight eight. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. About the employment uh, situation, you know that was one of the big numbers that came out uh, this week. And up until uh, this this uh, Federal Reserve trying to slow the economy down, uh, which started at the start of this year, uh, all the emphasis on the employment situation was basically on, "Hey, uh, are we back to where we were before the the COVID?" hit in uh, February of 2020. And uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, as far as I can see, we're there. I think we, manufacturing, we were there in, uh, I think it was October of last year. I'm not, uh, the service industries, uh, you know, because of uh, the service industries, uh, restaurants and travel and things of this nature, uh, they're getting well at a uh, very fast pace because people are getting out and about and uh, enjoying their new freedoms. And like I say, the airports were full, the airplanes were full, uh, wherever you went was full. 
people are moving. And uh, so basically what you're saying is that uh, uh, the, the, the uh, thing we were worried about before was, hey, uh, are we there uh, where we were before the COVID hit? And as far as I'm concerned, manufacturing has been there since October. And if we're not there in services, uh, we'll be there soon. Uh, and uh, we were showing from the uh, latest report from the Department of Labor, says, uh, they put out a report called Employment Situation Report for May. And that showed a, a payroll growth of 390,000. Uh, and uh, in uh, addition to the the uh, uh, marches, um, uh, let's see, payroll growth of 390,000, the, uh, the unemployment uh, the, uh, is down, uh, employment is down to, I guess we got uh, somewhere close to where we were before the COVID. Versus pre-COVID, uh, the unemployment uh, number was 3.5%, and the number of unemployed was 5.7 million. Uh, as of uh, this latest report, the unemployment uh, number uh, is 3.6 million versus 3.5, and we've got 6 million versus 5.7 million uh, unemployed. So what we're seeing is that uh, employees, employers are eager to hire across the country. Uh, there are basically 11.4 million jobs that are posted out there as far as people are concerned about uh, finding a job. And if you take a look at the uh, the uh, people on unemployment that are on the state unemployment system, you know, and are on the, u- the usual, these are not the guys that are, these are not the people that are uh, applying this month, but are, have been on unemployment for a couple months. Uh, that stands at about 1.3, uh, 1.4 million uh, people. That number was something like 14 million at one time. So uh, it's come down, and, and basically we're uh, getting the whole employment situation under control. And what it shows is that uh, I mentioned that um, the employment increased by 390,000. In May, and uh, of that 390,000, 333,000 were in the private sector. And so, uh, give you an idea of what you're talking about. There's uh, almost almost 130 million workers in the uh, private sector. And uh, what you're seeing is manufacturing uh, that gained 18,000 jobs out of a workforce of. Uh, 12.7 million. Construction added uh, 36,000 jobs out of a workforce of uh, uh, 7.5 million. And mining added uh, 5,000 jobs out of a work of, uh, out of workforce of 600,000. So, and then if you take a look and say, okay, how about the, the service industries? Uh, uh, they added 274,000 uh, jobs in the private sector. So, uh, and the biggest ones were leisure and hospitality, 
uh, in they added uh, 84,000 jobs in May of the um, 390. And uh, what we're seeing is continued job growth in food services and uh, and drinking places. Uh, that was 46,000. And accommodations, the hotels, was 21,000. So even though they're increasing, uh, that particular sector, uh, uh, leisure and hospitality, is still down uh, 1.3 million workers uh, versus pre-COVID. And then if you take a look at the professional and business services, um, they gained uh, 75,000 jobs in May. And what you're seeing there is accounting and bookkeeping. Uh, they added 16,000 computer system design, uh, 13,000 scientific research, 6,000. And what you see in professional and business services, there's 820,000 more jobs than there were in February of 2020, pre-COVID, in uh, transportation and warehousing. Uh, it's the same story. Uh, they added uh, 47,000 jobs in May. And uh, if you just take a look at uh, warehousing and storage, that's 18,000 jobs. Uh, truck transportation, that's another 13,000. And airline tra- air transportation, that's another 6,000. What you see in that particular category, you've got uh, over 700,000 workers above the pre-COVID uh, days. So uh, employment and construction. Uh, uh, increased 36,000 in May. And uh, uh, that's one of the, if you look around and you see who got the job, uh, the specialty trades, you know, the plumbers and the electricians and the door hangers and all the rest of this stuff, they got 17,000 and heavy and civil engineering construction got 11,000. So, and uh, construction employment right now is about 40,000 higher than it was after COVID. And, uh, and uh, state government education, uh, that increased by 36,000. And uh, at the state uh, education, and 33,000 33, in the private education place. So I could go on and on here, but uh, basically what you're seeing is that Hey, uh, the economy, the the employment, uh, as far as the employment is concerned, um, that is uh, basically higher uh, generally than what we saw pre-COVID. And in, and then there's another thing called the jolt, which is the job openings and labor labor turnover. Yeah, and that basically is. Uh, uh, was astronomical before, and I mean, uh, in uh, March it was they had uh, 11.8 million jobs posted. Uh, that was about twice the unemployment uh, the number of people who were unemployed by any count. And uh, right now that reduced from uh, 11.8 down to 11.4. So uh, that's going down too, and uh, so. I'm sure the Federal Reserve is glad to see, okay, uh, we're trying to slow the economy down, so we're, we're slowing down the, the job offers and we're slowing down the uh, the uh, 
the uh, job offers as well as the uh, the people that are getting hired. And also, if you take a look at the factory orders, uh, factory orders for uh, manufacturers in April, uh, that was down. Uh, oh, it was up. Factory orders were up uh, three tenths of a percent in April uh, from March, and. Uh, uh, that's after they increased uh, 1.8%. There was a decided slowdown in uh, factory orders, but it was still positive. And the uh, uh, difference between uh, durable goods and non-durable goods, both of, the, both of those took a, a hit. And uh, so that, to me, looks good. Uh, as I said before, in, in terms of uh, factory orders and things of this nature, the cars, uh, automobiles uh, are really, uh, you know, because of the uh, reduced selection and the reduced uh, uh, amount of cars out there, the new cars and stuff like that, that's taking a pretty big beating. Uh, and if you take a look at the what the clients, what the uh, managers are saying, in the manufacturing sector, uh, even though the manufacturing sector continues to grow and expand, uh, what they do is in, in the ISM, Institute of Supply Management, uh, uh, their, their manufacturing uh, index, what they do is talk to the managers in uh, manufacturing and they get their comments. And they're basically they're asking them, uh, how's this month versus last month? Is it better, about the same, or worse? And uh, they, they're asked to address things like wages, uh, uh, orders, backlog, uh, production, uh, you name it, prices that they're paying, prices yeah. that they're getting. And they grind all these numbers together, and they come up with a number that if it comes out to 50, that means that Hey, the, the manufacturing sector is just moving along the way it did before. Uh, it's not expanding and it's not contracting. A number less than 50 indicates contraction, and a number greater than 50 indicates expansion. So basically what they're saying is that manufacturing is expanding. Uh, they're, they're basically up at uh, 56.1, but it's interesting to see all the comments. Uh, I'll give you some of the comments. Uh, the computer and electronic products. Supplies are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel for restoration of semiconductor component supply. Second quarter and third quarter supply appears to be loosening. Uh, chemical products, while orders remain strong and backlogs exist, there's a softening in forecasting orders for leading indicators. And basically, if you read all the comments, they basically say, my God, we're, we're paying more and more for these pieces, and we're having a hell of a time in uh, uh, the constraints in the supply system. So this is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get This Close. This week is still the beginning of what is traditionally the time for high school graduation ceremony. 
Today, the seniors have been waiting for. It's really a milestone in their lives. They leave the well-regulated environment of a high school to step out into the real world. Some go to work, some go to school, some to the armed forces. Most of them will leave home soon, maybe to come back for the holidays, but otherwise, they're gone from the nest. Now it's up to them. And what do we as parents want to tell them before they leave? Maybe these things from a little poem called, It's Up to You. And it goes like this. I gave you life, but I cannot live it for you. I can teach you things, but I cannot make you learn. I can give you directions, but I cannot always be there to lead you. I can allow you freedoms, but I cannot account for it. I can take you to church, but I can't make you believe. I can teach you right and wrong right from wrong, but I cannot decide for you. I can give you love, but I cannot force it upon you. I can teach you to be a friend, but I cannot make you one. I can teach you to share, but I cannot make you unselfish. I can teach you respect, but I cannot force you to show honor. I can grieve about your report card, but I cannot make you study. I can advise you about friends, but I cannot choose them for you. I can tell you about drinking, but I cannot say no for you. I can warn you about drugs, but I cannot prevent you from using them. I can teach you about goals and dreams, but I cannot achieve them for you. I can teach you about kindness, but I cannot cannot force you to be kind. So the idea here is that basically you are mine, and I will love you and pray for you forever. Uh, I do not know whether they will know what these words really mean, but we as parents will. So until we meet again next week for more Get Rich Flow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.